Luke 24, 13 to 35. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes. And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a visitor of angel, a vision of angels, who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they had they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while we talked, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you this morning. It was wonderful to see a good majority of you last week as we worshiped together for Easter service. We still gather here, even virtually, to remember that God has made us one in Christ Jesus. And I rejoice, and I hope you rejoice in the ways that God is continuing to challenge us as his people to love one another and to walk with each other. It was wonderful to hear um, some people who were visitors last Sunday, and they came to me and they said, Pastor Young, you know, I haven't been here in a while, but I've could really see that the church has grown. And I said, what do you mean the church has grown? We're, we're still pretty much the same amount of people here. And he goes, no, just the way that people talk with one another, and just the way they relate with one another, just to see the way God's spirit is working in your midst. And I said to them, well, 
Thanks for the encouragement. Our church, like any other church, has its challenges. Our church, like any other church, has its battles to face. But we are trusting in the Lord and trusting in His timing and trusting in His love. And I pray that the Lord is showing all of you the same thing as well, not to ever, not to get discouraged during this time of COVID, but to be encouraged in knowing that God is still working, that His purposes are being fulfilled in each and every one of us as individuals, but more importantly, His purposes are being fulfilled in us as a church. He has called us together to worship Him in spirit and in truth. He has called us together to sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron, that our hearts and our eyes would always be inclined to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would see our world and our circumstances through the lens of Scripture, through the lens of hope, and through the lens of the love that He has shown and borne to us at the cross. We are continuing to, to finish our series on Luke. We have about three more sermons left to go before we have completed this wonderful gospel, the longest gospel here in the New Testament. Last week, we celebrated Jesus' resurrection. We celebrated the fact that death no longer holds him. And we celebrated the fact that this point in history is a turning point that some recognize, but others do not. But that God himself, through his great and grand mercy, has chosen to open your eyes and my eyes to see that the resurrection of Jesus has actually given us a hope of eternity, a hope of glory, that our sins do not longer, are no longer counted against us, that when we face God the judge, that he will look upon us and declare us innocent because of what Christ has done by dying for our sins. But more importantly than that, is that not only are we justified in faith, but we've been brought into the family of God. You are adopted as his children, and all of you are sons and daughters of the living God. And it's this communion or fellowship with Jesus that is the goal of the salvation that we have received, for it's in that family union with God and with one another that we can glorify Him. We glorify Him as our Father in heaven. We glory in the love that He has given us. We glory in the hope that we have in Christ. Now, here in this passage on the road to Emmaus, we are in a point of redemptive history that is very interesting, is it not? Jesus has risen from the dead. What's he doing? What's he doing during his time of resurrection here on this land? Why didn't he just rise from the dead and go up to the skies or go up to the heavens to be with his father? Why is he sort of randomly, it's so it seems, appearing to people. And what is he saying? And why is he saying it? We know later on that 
Jesus will later send, send us his Holy Spirit. But in the meantime, Jesus in his resurrection is taking this time in redemptive history to still minister to his people. And this is beautiful because we see that Jesus in his death is always thinking of us and ministering to us. Jesus in his resurrection was thinking to us and ministering to us. And Jesus, even at this time before he returns to heaven, is thinking of us and ministering to us as well. So let's look at this story and let's marvel at our Christ. Two disciples were walking along on the road to Emmaus. And they were talking about what had just happened. Jesus had just rose from the dead. They were saying that these women had come to, to witness the fact, to tell the fact that angels had come and had told them that Jesus rose from the dead. They themselves started talking and saying, you know what? We were hoping that he would come to redeem Israel. And then as Jesus walked, and then all of a sudden Jesus appears and starts to walk with them. And Jesus asked them, well, what was going on? And they proceeded to, to tell them about there's this resurrection and tell them about the confusion that was happening. And you can imagine, as Jesus walked with them, just listening intently and just listening at the interpretation of how they would see the how they would understand what had just occurred in history. And as they were walking, Jesus said to them, Listen, you foolish one, you are slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. We see here Jesus in this time here on earth as the resurrected Christ. That the first thing and the most important thing that he did in ministering to people was to interpret scripture for them. He basically became a Bible study teacher to these two people, and as we'll see next week, to the 11, to the other disciples as well, including the 11 apostles. That he read with them all the Old Testament, all the prophets, and he began to explain to them how it is that he himself was a fulfillment of the Old Testament. In other words, he helped them to understand the meaning of his birth, death, and resurrection. The parts in Scripture which talked about the fact that, that Jesus had to suffer. The parts of the Scripture talking about the resurrection of God. 
the parts of scripture that, that talked about the fact that we needed a new prophet, needed a new priest, needed a new king. That everything that Moses had spoken about, everything the prophets had been sp spoken about was fulfilled in Jesus and in Jesus alone. In many ways, this conversation during this time was God's way to help his disciples to understand that he was the linchpin to all of salvation. For us as God's people, the first thing that we need to understand is that all of Scripture, all of Scripture is a fulfillment of Jesus or an explanation of Jesus' fulfillment. When we read the Old Testament scriptures, brothers and sisters, on our own, or when we hear it being preached, or when we read it as we study, our job isn't simply to read it and to say, well, how does this apply to me? It's not simply to read it and say, what's the character of God like? Those are important. But the most important way to interpret the Old Testament is the same way that Jesus is interpreting this to the people on the road to Emmaus. And the question that we should all always be asking is, how does the Old Testament scriptures point to Jesus? What does Jesus fulfill? What does Jesus teach? What does Jesus transform in the Old Testament? When we look at the fact of, of the Passover lamb, and we looked at the fact that when the Israelites were brought out of Israel, that they would, would, would take the blood of the lamb and put it on their archways as a sign to, to God to say, God, when you come to judge Egypt and judge the land of Egypt, whenever you see the blood on the doors, you must pass over it and have mercy on them. And the question that the Israelites brought up was simply, where, is this, where will this new Passover lamb be? That will not only save us from destruction here, but save us from our sins. And when we look at the Old Testament and all the ways that they, they were instructed to make sacrifices, we see that in the end, it is Jesus himself who made the sacrifice and Jesus himself, who laid down his own life, being both the priest and the sacrifice itself. And we rejoice. We look at the Old Testament, and when we see that it teaches an eye for an eye, but we, when we look at the Beatitudes, Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek, to love our enemies. We see that Jesus, again, is taking the Old Testament and fulfilling it and transforming it into the, its original intent for us. But God in his great mercy, until Jesus' coming, until his death on the cross, until he was able to take away all of our sins, knew that some of these commands would be too heavy for us. And so he overlooked sin. He said, do not murder in the Ten Commandments, but only hinted 
in the Old Testament that what that actually meant was to have no concern for other people, to harbor hatred in one's heart. But with the coming of Jesus, we understand that all the Old Testament is fulfilled and all of the commands and challenges of the Old Testament have been fulfilled and that we as God's people can learn to enjoy the Old Testament and can learn to walk in the steps of Jesus as he teaches us. Brothers and sisters, if Jesus himself had to instruct his disciples how to read the Old Testament, if Jesus himself put such a, a premium um, importance on reading the Bible and understanding the Bible, Bible properly, according to Jesus' interpretation, then we ourselves must understand and undertake the task of reading the Bible. The Bible itself is the only way for us to have access to the true interpretations of what happened at Calvary and the true interpretations of what salvation has, what, what, salvation, uh, what salvation looks like for you and I. Our task is not to sort of figure it out out of thin air. But if Jesus himself has pointed his disciples to the scripture, we ourselves should immerse ourselves not only in Bible reading, but in understanding properly what the Bible teaches. This is not only a task for myself, which all of you should continue to pray for me as I, as I exposit scripture and as I teach scripture. But all of you as individuals must undertake this task as well. You must take up the Bible and read. You must read and ask yourself, how does this fulfill all of salvation? What does this mean for me and our people today? And our duty is not to interpret scripture through our circumstances, brothers and sisters. But our duty is to let scripture interpret scripture. Our duty is first and foremost to read scripture in the light of the interpretive framework of the risen Christ. For it is only when we understand Scripture that we can allow Scripture to interpret the circumstances around us and to show us the way to salvation and the way to minister to the people around us. This is good news, is it not? This is good news. Think of think of it the think of the alternative. Jesus rises from the dead and then leaves. Just leaves. 
everyone will be confused. What just happened? <laughs> what just happened? What is going on? If Jesus sort of just rose again, showed up, hey, how are you? Everyone's mouth is agape, wondering what just happened. And Jesus says, see you later. It would be like that long lost uncle who, who seemed to disappear from the face of the earth and, and just shows up, says, hello, how are you? And then walks away. But Jesus has given us his word for us to dig deeply and intently. And I urge all of us as God's people to hear, to hear his voice. The second concept that I want to point out to you is sort of this road to Emmaus experience. Um, it's, it is primarily about what we know about Jesus and the way he ministers to people. But also there's a correlation here to many of us and how we come to know Jesus, but also how we come to grow in Jesus. You see, our hearts are not always receptive to God and his teachings. If they were, we would have no conflict. If they were, we would have no frustration. If they were, we would be able to, to love one another readily. If it were, we'd be able to share the gospel of Jesus to all every single day. But unfortunately, that's not the way things work. But look at these two men. One, they talked about the things of Jesus. Even though they did not understand fully yet, they talked about the things of Jesus. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I, in general, don't mind when people talk about Jesus, even here amongst us as a church. And we say sort of things that are not quite from the Bible, if you know what I mean. All of us do this. But we're talking about the things of Jesus. Jesus comes alongside them. And Jesus does something wonderful. He shares with them the proper way of handling Scripture and of understanding Scripture. We ourselves have opportunities like that tremendously. Sunday service together when, when I'm here um, doing my best to, to preach God's Word. I, I pray that you are receiving this not simply as uh, Pastor Young's musings, but that you're receiving this as the very words of God. And you hear it. And some of you at, at, at points like this are able to really grasp it. Others of you, it's stuck in your head somewhere, but you, you don't exactly know what to do with it. Or you don't know exactly why this is important. Or you know why it's important, but your heart's not ready to yield. Jesus is something amazing to these people. As the two say, hey, Jesus, come. Come and stay with us. 
As they were having the meal, Jesus broke the bread. And as he gave it to them, it says in verse 31, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And in verse 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Jesus knew what he was doing with these two people. Jesus allowed them to first slowly talk ignorantly about the things that happened. Then Jesus slowly taught them about the scriptures and why Jesus had to resurrect from the dead. He taught them about salvation. And then thirdly, by Jesus' timing and wisdom, he decided to open their eyes to see who this Christ truly was. And they finally recognized that their hearts were actually burning, burning to know the Jesus to know the Jesus that Jesus himself had explained. I have come to save the lost. I have come to save you from your sins. I have come to give you salvation. I think many of us can relate to that. That during this time of COVID, I, I see many of us struggling. But I applaud you. And I think God applauds us from just, let's just meet. Let us just read God's word. Let us just hear the preaching of his word. Let us read books that properly handle God's word. Let us listen to sermons. Let us practice what we, what we hear. And what God does miraculously in all of us is that one day he opens our hearts and eyes. And he appears to us through his spirit. And his presence is felt in our hearts. And our hearts are satisfied with this knowledge that we are known by him. And our hearts are actually burning because we realize that everything that we actually wanted, we had in Jesus already. Our hearts were burning for something. We couldn't, we couldn't figure it out. But now that Jesus has fulfilled it, we know that it was him and him alone that we were longing for. Some practical things, brothers and sisters. First, have grace and mercy towards one another. Have grace and mercy to those who were born in the church, grew up in the church, but still haven't really grasped it yet. Don't judge quickly, people. But know that perhaps they're just on the road talking about Christian things. And God is slowly, slowly using all of that 
praise God that, that they hear good teaching from God's word. And say, God, one of these days, open their eyes. Continue to speak truth and love to them. Be like that person, like a Jesus who walks alongside and, and, and lovingly helps them to understand what scriptures are truly about. But pray that one day their eyes would be open. Love the people who need to hear the gospel. Second of all, be merciful to yourself. And I don't mean this in a self-help kind of way. I, I mean this in more of a way of, listen, don't be too legalistic about your growth. Don't try to sort of set up a chart like, you know, physical training that you need to, to get to a certain point. But know that talking about the things of God, reading scripture, and showing up on Sundays, even if at times things just don't get into your heart or into your mind, know that God is using all that, building it up, so that one day when God does open your eyes to what is going on in your life, your hearts will be satisfied when Jesus appears to you. This road to Emmaus experience of what Jesus does for these people is an experience that's very much akin to our own growth in Christ. Jesus himself is risen, brothers and sisters. And Jesus himself, during this time, ministers to his disciples. Jesus himself tells them, you need to read the Bible and to understand it and its proper interpretation. And Jesus continues to do so. We're not at Pentecost yet. But to give you a quick peek, God's Holy Spirit resides in you, brothers and sisters. Allow the Spirit to guide you through the Scriptures. Allow us, as we continue to read God's Word together in our community groups, in our triads, in our friendships, that we pray that the Spirit would help us to interpret properly the things of God, that we may follow Him all the days of our lives. Praise be to our Jesus. Praise be to our saviors. May our hearts burn for him. And may he open all of our eyes to see his glory. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your lo love and your mercy. Lord, we ask of you that you would send your spirit, Lord. Send your spirit, Lord, to those who need to know you, to worship you, to have knowledge of their sins and to be able to confess their sins, to have the gift of faith that they may be revealed to be sons and daughters of the living God. For your people here who have your spirit, 
Help us not to quench it. Help us not to put it in a little room in our hearts. But allow us to let the Spirit reign. Allow, help us allow the Spirit to, 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 to point us to your word. Help us, Lord, to allow your Spirit to interpret your word in such a way, Lord, that reveals the living Christ in our lives. And help us, Lord God, as a church, CCPC, to follow you and you alone. Help us, Lord, to interpret all of our circumstances in the light of your in the light of your word, in the light of grace, in the light of forgiveness, in the light of rebuke, in the light of love. Do this so that we may see that you reign in our midst and do this so that the world can see that Jesus reigns here at CCPC. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.